0: Nick, you ready? Let's do it. Let's kick it. All right, everybody, live from the Wilson studio. This is Talk About It Outdoors. I am your host, Alex DeBoard. My right hand man, my partner in crime, the main man from bad, bad land, Nick Wilson. Are you ready to kick it up, son? Because I sure am. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Nicholas, we done got on a jet airplane, son. We done flew, I don't know, six or eight hours if you was driving across the country. Got into a great place that we can't wait to land in. We got on an airboat, and we've landed ourselves in a bayou spot. Somewhere out in the middle of Cajun country with a couple old boys that we were fortunate enough to meet at the Alabama World Deer Expo. And uh, what's funny about it is when we met these guys, they recognized us as what? Mr. 130. (laughs) (laughs) We walked right up on them, and that's the first thing they called out. And I can tell you what, it's been a great experience and a great friendship founded thus far. I ain't going to try to say the taxidermy. I ain't going to try to pronounce the way they talk, but I'm glad to have them here. And it is a pleasure indeed for us both to welcome the Between the Times podcast, Ricky, Dustin, and John Carl. John Carl. <laughs> Good to have you here, boys. Oh,
1: yeah. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Was it an invitation or was it just, you know, you just happened to be strolling I along know. and we got popped We kind of get to cutting up
1: every now and then. <laughs> Well, I can you tell you... Tosca texted them. It, yeah, it, good. E.T. Toshki,
0: E.T. Toshki.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are heard me trying to say it about 12 o'clock.
0: <laughs> well, I can tell you what, it's been a great friendship founded on Great Roots. The first time we got to meet you guys and speak with you, we knew we could have a good time when we got together. We called you a little little while later, a week or so out... We got to talking about what we did, where we grew up, and it's it's like we were family from the get go. And it's been a pleasure indeed to uh, to get to know you guys, and I guess more so get to know the backstory of where you are, where y'all came from. And I think that's really what we wanted to do tonight. We wanted to introduce everybody over here in uh, in God's country, the Lowland Boys. Oh yeah,
1: sounds good. We're ready.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and we apologize right it. now. Dustin's a shit eater, right
2: off the rip, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and so so
3: y'all gonna have to, y'all have to watch him if he gets carried away out here. So Got, right off
1: the rip,
3: huh? <laughs> <laughs> when you said that in that podcast, Dustin, I I called Alex and died laughing.
1: He said he that was Alex's buddy and Ricky's buddy, R.P. Yeah, you said you're he a little bit from little everywhere bit here. Everywhere. You said you're a sh- <laughs> shit eater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never find that one dog on the side of the road you want to take home, but he's a little bit from everywhere. Basically, he's a mutt or a shit eater. <laughs> that's what they always
0: That's what they always told me my dad did. He said, boy, you better hope you can climb trees good. I said, why? He said, because if there's a shit-eating dog around, you in trouble.
1: Well, guys, I can see now we're going to have a
0: good time. boys. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I want to go back to the very beginning and do it a little bit different, I guess, tonight than we usually do, because we could sit here all night and talk about our hunting stories and everything else. And I'm sure there's a lot that'll come to mind as we move through this thing. But I want to know how you guys got on the board of doing a podcast or where that came from. And I think it'll be interesting to hear your depiction of it and tell us the story about that. So Dustin, kick it off, man. Take us away.
1: Ooh, it's going to take us back a little ways, huh, Ricky? Yeah. Uh, kind of kicked around the idea, I guess, two years ago, Ricky? Yeah. Maybe a little more.
2: Right at two years, probably.
1: Oh, uh, I felt like I was being silly when I asked Ricky about doing a podcast, you know, and he was like, Man, go for it, go for it. So I kind of sat back, pondered on it a little while, and uh, I think the hardest part was actually going for with no support, you know? Oh, uh, because if you don't have somebody to support you, then it kind of makes you pull back the reins a little bit on what you're trying to do in life. Uh we try to, we, we're not trying to be the best of the best. We just trying to really, actually our podcast is based off of a, a, a real hunt camp scenario. We try to keep the language to a minimum, uh, but we still try to cut up and laugh a lot too at the same time. And, uh, From that point on, uh, Ricky kind of pushed me. I kind of kicked it around with a a pretty good bit of people, huh, Ricky? Yeah. And uh, finally bought the equipment. I guess we had the equipment for a little while before I got the nerves up to even do one.
4: Yeah. I
1: I can remember when I first realized,
4: like,
2: Dustin was all in on it. You know, he told me about the stuff, and I was, like, thinking, like, you know, I knew him good enough to know he may hold on to that equipment a while before he actually did one. And uh when I saw him actually starting on the the podcast booth, I was like, All right, this dude's ready now. You know, and I told him that night, I was like, Look, dude, I'm not saying I gotta be like your right hand man, but I wanna be a part of this And it just kinda of stuck and took off from there.
1: Yeah, and the second most thing was the name. We actually had a couple names. Yeah. But uh The one we have now, which is between the times, stick out the most because as you and as Alex and Nick and John Cole and Ricky and pretty much everybody that listens to the podcast knows in some way, shape, or form that somebody always has something to say about a deer. Whether it's a button buck all the way to a 236-inch deer like Greg Glettinger Peel, you know? Oh, so... That's kind of where the name came from. Uh, No particular reason. I think it had a good rhyme and reason behind it.
2: And uh, I got to give Dustin all the credit for the name because that was all Dustin. And when he told me the name, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. No sense in even thinking about it anymore.
0: Yeah, and I think it sticks out well. And I'm going to tell you my take on Between the Tines. How many pictures have you seen of, of amazing folks Between the Tines? Right, their faces yeah. pictured there, and y'all are tearing, telling stories about those people that are pictured between the times. And I, I that's the one thing right. that's always stuck out with me for for y'all's name.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if a kid kills a spike or a grown man kills a spike, all the way up to one of his biggest bucks to date. You know, uh, I just for us, we more supportive of. Everybody around us, instead of throwing jabs at somebody, so it really doesn't matter to us, really. You can tell we live in the country, huh? What'd
0: you do? Somebody go by somebody, buy somebody back boat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the heck was yeah. that? that? was a diesel. <laughs> but uh, oh my Anyway, goodness. it kind of, uh, it kind of relates to like just anything in between the times, you know, uh, a deer's time. So, y'all have help, whether it's deer,
0: if y'all hear echoing and stuff out there in the, or anything going on, y'all have to excuse these boys. They, they ain't got no power out there where they live. Uh, it's out on a little shanty out in the middle of the bayou, and they have, to, they have to drive out by the interstate and run a generator in the back of a trailer while they record. They
3: got JC, they got yeah, JC yeah. over in the background pedaling that bicycle.
2: Yeah. We got them hamsters running right now, but so we ain't quite in Bobby Boucher's neighborhood, but so we ain't far off.
1: <laughs> no, we ain't at duck
3: camps, huh? Oh, <laughs> what my- part of- what part of louisiana you guys live in like region wise so we northeast of hammond
1: louisiana uh, about 20 minutes
3: yeah we're probably about 30 miles
2: kind of east of baton rouge yeah we just a click
1: north and 45 minutes north of new orleans
3: yeah oh, you we're there. actually
1: closer to the mississippi line than we are anywhere on i-55 that's a
0: that's a uh, are there any mosquitoes down there? A swamp country. Well, one or two
4: swamp donkeys.
0: Where's, where's Marie yeah. Laveau live at down there?
4: Chibodeau, <laughs>
0: Louisiana. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh
0: my goodness! Well, so the little town that y'all live in is called what? Ranger, Louisiana. Yep, I ain't gonna remember that. But that if anybody <laughs> knows where
1: that's at, you know it's these boys actually, are out uh, there. Yeah. Well, we're not, we not too bad. Our nearest town is Hammond, Louisiana.
5: Pretty, yeah.
1: pretty good-sized town.
0: Hammond is big, and I worked in Hammond when I was down there after Katrina. And uh, it's funny, you know, we, we've we talked about this several times, Dustin, the, the way, I guess, the world travels and the way you meet people and spending time down there, that was, what, 14, 15 years ago, and then coming full circle and getting to talk to you. But I have never met – finer people in my entire life than what I met down there. It was like being here at home, Nick. I mean, it really was. And they're just down to earth, just good people and, and rooted folks. They like us. They're they're just rooted in where they come from. They, they love their homes. They love their family and they're community oriented, just like what you guys are. So hats off to everything y'all do in y'all's community. Cause I know y'all spend a lot of time as of late helping folks in y'all's area with everything that's went on.
4: Oh yeah.
3: We really appreciate that. We've been trying to do the best we can. Y'all took a beat down the past couple of years with some strong storms, too.
2: Yeah, we did. You know, it hadn't been too long. Uh, 2016, we had two major floods. So, yeah, we always catch some kind of crazy weather something, whether it's hurricanes, floods, whatever.
0: And you talk to them and they're just – they're still,
2: you know – They make
0: the best of every situation. I think that's what I admire the most about you guys. It don't matter what happens. Y'all going to find a way to make the best out of a situation.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I told Dustin this the day after the hurricane. One of the coolest things about living where we live, you know, like when a hurricane hits, I mean, before the dust settles, there's 50 to 100 rednecks on every little street with a chainsaw when daylight cracks. And people are clearing the roads like, you know, and and there's a lot of other places if a hurricane happened like that, people are going to sit around and wait for somebody that's going to get paid to do all that. That's right. And everybody else, everybody here just kind of chips in. And, I mean, the road was cleared. Almost every road was cleared within a couple hours.
0: We almost look for that kind of stuff as rednecks, a chance to get out with a chainsaw in the middle of the road. (laughs) And I know you
2: boys do. Let me tell you you've never seen happier rednecks in your life than right after a hurricane hits because everybody gets in there side by side and they get to ride up and down the highway with a chainsaw. And And a cooler of cold beer.
3: That that sounds like North Georgia when we get an inch of snow. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Because all bets are off. I mean, the cops ain't pulling over nobody, right? After we
1: don't the morning after a hurricane. You could be in whatever kind of vehicle. <laughs> you know, it do not matter. We don't have no cops anyway in our town. We got, well, we got a substation, huh? Yeah. Uh, no cop at all.
3: i tell you what. We got one
1: caution light that works half the time.
3: North Georgia <laughs> gets an 70- inch or two of snow. It's the same way. It doesn't matter. It could be the biggest racetrack, QT. They'll be full with us riding around, kicking donuts. And,
2: oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that we For get the damage from that. Days, but. <laughs> For about seven days, it was a side-by-side free-for-all <laughs> around here. It was just rednecks everywhere. Did um,
1: We were helping so many people, you know? Oh, yeah. And y'all For the did. most part, you know, as much as we could.
0: Do you think oh. that living there has changed your idea of the way the world works? And what I mean by that, when you go outside, do you get a sense of community and places that you go and visit like you do at home?
2: You want me to answer that, Yeah. I think for me it does because, you know, and it's it's probably the same way where you guys live in Georgia. Um, you know, growing up in a small town like we did and the kind of people we grew up around, you go places up north and it really lets you know, like, there really is a thing called southern hospitality, you know, because people up north, I mean, they just soon cuss you out and wave at you. That's right. You know, and it, it's just a different mentality, You know, people are a lot more, are a lot quicker to help each other down here than they are a lot of other places. And, you know, it's something that I definitely notice everywhere I go, which, I mean, I've met cool people from all over. I've met cool people. I've met people from New York state that were just as redneck as me. They just talked a little funny. That's right. But, uh, I think, yeah, it definitely changes the way you look at everything.
0: And I think the biggest thing for the South, you know, we pretty much can get along with you know, guys from Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, whatever. You get along with them because it's the same like-mindedness. But there are places you go in the north, in the west, uh, wherever, and you find people just like what you just said, Ricky. You find people that talk a little funny, but they are just like we are. Yeah, right.
1: just down there, guys. Yeah, Dustin. Let me ask you, know, you hey, this. I, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. So when you uh, when you first started looking for a partner to do the podcast with, how did you decide on Ricky? And I'm going to ask him the same thing so you get your chance to prepare
1: Ricky. <laughs> so so the reason that, that Ricky is one of the co-hosts on here is because he is a taxidermist. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, I started bringing some deer to him, struck up a friendship, just like I never knew him, just like I never knew y'all, right? Oh, uh, well, nowadays it become a, a, a lifelong relationship, you know, friendship wise. I bring my deer down there, bring squirrels, rabbits, whatever, whatever I want to get mounted. Sit down there, I help him work in the shop. And uh when I brought the podcast up, he said I wanted to be a part of it. So I say, hey, what better time than now? You know, I'm just getting started. We ain't never done it before. You hadn't done it. So that's kind of how... Uh, that's kind of how Ricky landed up on here. And, uh, it's, it's not just my podcast. It's, uh, just as much as Rick, it's, it's more Ricky's and mine than it is anybody's, you know, uh, we don't, it's not no partnership or anything like that. We just, everything we do, we do 50 50, you know, no money involved. We just, we come up with our own scenarios and, uh, just try to make the best of what we got, you know. Uh we don't always have the great service that y'all <laughs> have, but uh, what? uh we working service. on that oh. yeah service so uh you know at the end of the day, what better person than to get on here with me from the start is Ricky, you know, because i mean he, he's he's non stop taxidermist, and at the end of the day, when he has free time after he gets what a lot of people don't understand is we get to enjoy our families after we get off of work for a little while. And then we do podcasts. family comes before anything. So at the end of the day, like, like, like I told y'all earlier when I talked to y'all or when I talked to Alex, I got to, I got to check on my girls and then I'll be free. Make sure that you're able to do it off of our time zone. Cause for some reason I keep forgetting y'all hour different than us.
0: We hour ahead. I started yeah. to text you today. Make sure you'd put enough minutes on your phone down at the at the QT <laughs> station, or, uh, over at the local gas station. You'd amped
2: up your boost your boost card for it. <laughs> yeah, I got that Cricket wireless. <laughs> yeah, at no, least we wasn't depending on the service at my house because we wouldn't have been able to do that.
1: It. It's it's not just mine. Uh, I mean, it's everybody's right here. And I think when we closed this podcast room, man, it just it just hurt us a lot more. Uh. But for some reason where my phone is now we're able to keep service. So apparently
3: you can hear me pretty good. That's right. Dustin, I know you guys have been in the podcast for a little while. What do you think what do you think has been the biggest impact in your community for this podcast? The biggest impact in my community uh
1: I can shoot from the hip. I mean, I can shoot straight from the hip right now and that's uh the, the hurricane. So from the hurricane Uh, automatically, we helped our family, we helped our friends, and then we helped everybody that surrounded the area. What a lot of people didn't know is that we did podcast uh, because it's not a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It may not have been been a big thing until y'all brought it up. It wasn't a big thing around here until we brought it up. And For now, I got a buddy at Voodoo Soul that does catering. He actually did the free lunches and everything through Hurricane Ida, and we went up there to get ice from the ice machine. Well, they had a line of cars, like, maybe two miles long, huh, Ricky?
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I and I said, I've seen another buddy of mine, I said, what y'all doing? They said, we serving lunches. So, you know what we did? Instead of getting ice, we jumped in line and started serving lunches. I think we served over 1,200 lunches that day, that evening, or should I say meals, not lunches. Yeah. Uh, and then, after the fact, I didn't want nothing from that. I just, I was just there to help, you know. Uh, well, he shouted our name out and then it kind of come full circle then, you know, because everybody was want, wanting to know who Between the Times was, wanting to know who had it, where it was located and all that. So I think that kind of helped us uh, shout out to Trey Miller. I'm sure he'll he'll tune in to this probably. Uh, but thank him for that uh, opportunity. We wasn't looking for that, but we didn't mind. after everything was said and done with our disaster, you know, uh, we were looking to help out. So you can ask Ricky, uh, pretty much the same thing. Cause.
2: Yeah. I think for me, like what really opened my eyes was when I was down on COVID and then the hurricane hit and like, we didn't drop it up episode for like a month. And dude, I had people two months. Yeah. Right around two months. Yeah. So I had people that, like older people, I didn't even know they knew what a podcast was. And they start sending me all these messages on Facebook like, man, what happened to the podcast? Y'all quit. Y'all quit. And like, you know, just a lot of people like that. Like I didn't realize we were reaching as many local people as, as we were until until we stopped dropping episodes.
0: Makes it, makes it worth the wild when you get those phone calls and messages like that, don't it?
4: It does.
3: That's kind of what we was just having a conversation on the last podcast with Wade Borman about was, you know, kids wearing his apparel makes him feel good. So you when you get out there and you can do something for somebody, it's more than just a podcast turns into. So oh yeah. Whether whether the podcast brings a smile to you. <laughs> yeah, whether the podcast is for us or someone else, it's it's kinda it's kinda done the same thing for us over here. Um Yeah. So tell tell us yeah. tell this majority of the North Georgia crowd that probably listens to us, Georgia based crowd. What's it like growing up in southern Louisiana, trying to be a outdoorsman?
4: Go ahead, Ricky. I'm going <laughs> to let Ricky go
2: on this we, one. i go uh, second. My answer may be a little bit different than Dustin's on that because I'm a little older. Uh, things have changed a lot. You know, when I when I was growing up as an outdoorsman, we pretty much – hunting and fishing was a way of life, you know, every Every spare minute that we had that we wasn't playing sports, my lady had us in the woods hunting and fishing. And there was a lot of open hunting land. There was a lot of timber company land. Nobody had anything leased up. You know, so there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot more opportunities as far as land goes to be able to hunt and fish. And, you know, the the way it is around here now, it's every, every little piece that, that's not a subdivision because, you know, progress has changed this area a lot. Um, somebody has at least up and it's, you know, different families have different small tracks of land leaves. There's a few big hunting clubs, but not a lot left. But hunting and fishing is definitely still a way of life around here. And pretty much any direction you want to go from here, whether it be north, south, east, or west, you're going to run into a ton of outdoorsmen, you know. and Some of them may be casual outdoorsmen, but not very far from here, and a lot of them that, that are right here close to us are just hardcore outdoor people hunting fish, and it, it goes generations back, you know, as far back as as their ancestors have been here. So I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for. But.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think it hit the nail right on the head. So how about you, Dustin?
1: Yeah, so it it kind of takes me back. Oh, I was – For a lot of folks that don't know, I was raised by my grandma and my grandpa. So kind of like Alex, uh, I don't know if Nick did it. I'm I'm sure he has, but we grew up squirrel hunting. And then we kind of, when you're into deer hunting, I killed my first deer when I was seven. So out of an old, you you remember back in the day, we used to take two by fours and, uh, what is it, ten penny nails? Mm -hmm. uh,
4: We had some stuff
1: like that. Yeah, and just build a little... Just a little platform where my grandpa set me up, crack barrel 410, you know. Uh, he sat on the stand, probably about 60 yards from me. He yeah, my first deer at seven years old with that 410. And then ever since then, it has been on. Uh, I wish it would have been a turkey. <laughs> Listen, boy. <Listen>,
2: yeah, <laughs>
0: we made it 23 minutes before it got brought up, Dustin. So we're doing pretty good.
1: I, I knew it wasn't going to take long. I was about to say it must but,
3: have must have something to do with them squirrel hunters can't be still, so they can't turkey hunt.
1: I'm sorry, Dustin. <laughs> no, you good. You good. Uh, I didn't really go turkey hunting later in life. Uh, I have a uh, couple cousins that's big time turkey hunters. Uh, I'm not going to bring their name up. People that know me know them. Uh, but I will say this, just for Nick, what they they were on Jay Leno back in the '90s. Yeah. Uh, I bring them up, Ryan and Rusty Wascom, and, and John Carl knows them just as well as I do. Uh, some of the greatest turkey hunters around still to this day, but I never was really into turkey hunting, and uh, my grandpa, he was more into deer hunting and, and squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting than he was anything, so that's what I was taught, and when we went deer hunting, we were rabbit hunting. When we went not rabbit hunting, we were squirrel hunting, so... It just kind of lingered on, and like I said, after I killed my first deer, I was kind of hooked. Now, there was a time in my life where, uh, you know, as you go through the teenage years, you kind of settle back, or at least I did. Uh, Some people may be different, but we live different lifestyles throughout life. Uh, But what I can say, I'm so thankful for the days that I did get to deer hunt, squirrel hunt, uh, rabbit hunt. I didn't start turkey hunting until later in life, and... I can I, I I can't say that I hate turkey hunting. I actually like it. because uh, I, I feel like I do pretty good day nowadays with a mouth cone. Uh and and thanks to my cousin Joseph, uh has taught me a lot over the years and he's probably the one of the best around one of the best too, you know. Uh but at at the end of the day. I'm still a deer hunter, son. <laughs> I don't care about where I don't care about mule deer. I don't care about uh you like whitetails white tails, baby. If you send me anywhere and as you know, anywhere in the world, no matter if they're from the Midwest, they say they can kill the best, but you ain't never dropped some southern boys off in the Midwest, and they didn't come out with a deer. We coming out yeah. with something by gosh. <laughs> yeah. They coming out with Dustin. something. It might not be a it might not be a hundred and fifty inch deer. It might be, 'cause w- people from the south don't really get to see it or experience a hundred and fifty inch deer. So uh at the end of the day, they coming out with something.
3: Dustin, you probably yeah, don't, know don't know this. Know you probably don't know this, Dustin, but you and Alex are more alike the more you keep talking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe that's why we get along together, huh, Mr. 130? <laughs> 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 you know, I, I want to tell this story. Uh, why you got me on here, uh, it's kind of funny. Before I even knew Alex or even met y'all at the Deer Expo, I had posted one of Alex's video on my Facebook of the Mr. 130 video. <laughs> well, and then when I seen y'all at the Deer Expo, I was sitting there. I was telling Ricky and uh, Patrick, I was like, I said, that's Mr. 130 right there. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, Who the hell is Mr. 130? I said, That's the one I posted on Facebook yeah. the other day. And uh I guess that's where the, uh I guess that's where it all lies now, huh, boys? That's why we get to cut up and have a good time. Well, why'd I
3: make that video? Look what it's got us into, oh, Nick. We going to be down awesome. there running blue crabs <laughs> drowned in the mud. Well, oh. when I when I think of South Louisiana, I think of probably Deep, deep South Georgia. I probably think of Spanish moss, uh, rattlesnakes, <laughs> marcus, uh alligators, um, and and, I, and I'm not too familiar with hunting deep South. But how is right. the deer hunting? Is it hard? It, it, was it harder back in the day, or is it easier now? I mean, which one, or has it always been pretty much the same? Has it always been tough? Do you have to run them out with dogs? How do you how do you get in there and hunt that?
1: Well. We we are a little north of uh pretty much what they call a swamp, right? Okay. So, like, where we live, we we on pretty much high land. Okay. So, if it floods up here, shit, the state of Georgia is going down, too. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I got you. Now I can tell you. But we're really,
2: really, really close to what you're talking about, but we're actually not in it. You go about 20 miles south of here to uh, – you get around the Ponsatula area, it really starts dropping off into the swamp. And uh, – yeah. I got some real good friends that hunt there a lot and it's, I mean, they, they get on a P road and push pole back in the middle of nowhere in these little bayous with a climber. And you know, they, it, first of all, it's extremely hard to find a tree you can climb because it's cypress trees and they're huge at the bottom and they get skinny real fast, you know? And it's, I'm sure South Georgia's got some of that same stuff. But, uh, it's a different kind of hunting. You don't see very many deer. There's some good deer in places like that, but it's it's a totally different animal than hunting highland. You know, it's that those guys go way back in the swamp and stay all day, and you know, they, they, it's some of, some of them it takes them four or five hours to push pole back into where they're gonna hunt, and they might sit all day for a week and, and see one deer. You know, it's it's tough. I'm I, not gonna lie.
3: I, I was gonna say. Um, that I would I would imagine being down there, hunting down there, because I've heard on other podcasts how, like, if you can come to Louisiana and kill a good deer, then you're doing something because they are very far and few between. I believe, I've kind of heard the same thing about Mississippi, too, that it's very hard to hunt. And, I mean, George, Georgia's hard, but I don't, from what I've been told, and you guys can probably tell us a little bit better about that because you have traveled out of state. Has it, has it ruined you in a sense going to out of state where you guys go?
2: yeah Dustin. it has I still lay with them down here in the oh, yeah i
1: I'm not gonna say it spoiled me, yeah, the fact of the matter is to me, I'm a deer hunter, and some of the places down here uh, that I've had over the years had good deer, but they're so nocturnal yeah. that you know it's kind of like it's kind of like you bring a kid deer hunting for their first time, second time third time right. After three hunts, you don't see any deer. They're they're worried about looking at something, you know. Right. They they trying to take up another hobby. That's right. So, for me, for for my cousin back in, I guess that was two thousand ten. Uh, inviting me on a a bow hunt, and listen, I didn't become a bow hunter until two thousand ten. Uh, thanks to him, and let me just tell you. It is something amazing for the people that has never witnessed the Midwest run. I don't care if you're in Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, you know, just all across the Midwest. It's like a literally, when they say the golden triangle, I mean, that just hits a home run for us, you know, because a lot of people don't get the experience. And a lot of older guys that we know, I'm, I'm pretty good with friends with uh, a a bunch of older guys. And they like, man, them TV shows, are them deer really that big or do they really come in like that? And, uh, they know I hunt the Midwest. So I'm like, you, you would not believe what you actually see. You know, you may not get to kill the one you're looking for, but at least you get the experience seeing them interacting with other deer and, kind of cutting up and just being natural deer in the wild. And uh, that's, something ha- that's something hard to come by around here because just yeah. like Georgia, it's a pine thicket.
3: That's right. Yeah. I,
1: just to give you a
2: for instance, I, I deer hunted from the time I could sit up straight until I was – and when I say hunted, I mean like if it was deer season, every spare moment we on a deer stand. And I think I was 25 years old before I actually saw a buck grunting, chasing a doe in the woods right around here. I mean, you just don't see it. Everything is at night. You know, if you get picture of, of a mature deer in the daylight, it's a big deal. You know, Yeah. in, in other areas, especially like the Midwest, you, you get to see a lot more daylight action. But down here, deer got like, I call it a a sixth sense or you know it's like they have something else in their brain that a lot of other deer in the country don't have and I don't know if it's a superior fear of man or if it's just an extra cautionary thing but they, they got good deer but they don't move much in the daylight and when they do they in a six spot. They don't play around in the opening very long. I think it's just a pressure thing. And it may be a pressure thing. I don't know.
3: Have either of you guys taken oh, yeah. a taken a decent deer out of Louisiana? Nope, but my wife has. Really? <laughs> Whoa, now. <laughs> Mama done showed you up, huh?
1: My wife has actually killed the biggest Louisiana deer in the house.
2: Nice. So, um, I've been fortunate enough to kill some pretty good deer over the years. Now, that, I'm not going to lie. It's not like something I do all the time. Uh,
1: you fooled me. <laughs> I killed some pretty
2: nice deer. I'm just uh-huh. saying I got an eight point just pushing one thirty, which for the people that are listening that don't understand the the magnitude of that around here. To kill any deer that, that clips one thirty down here is like killing a one sixty in the Midwest. Right. I mean that's that's the scenario. Um so I've been fortunate but if if people looked at the hours that I had on the sand compared to The great deer that I've killed, they would probably look at me and go, you're nuts, you know, for still doing it.
5: Yeah. But I guess, Um, and I
2: tell people all the time, if, if you dumped all the Midwest guys, all the famous guys, the well-known killers from all over the country that have never hunted South Louisiana, if you dump them down here for a deer season, they would quit within two weeks.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest misconception that people get about hunting the Midwest compared to where, you know, you guys hunt. And even where we hunt in North Georgia, it's tough. I mean, it is tough hunting here. And like you're saying, killing a hundred and thirty inch deer here up until the last few years was pretty rare. I mean, you got some in our our southern uh, county zone that they kill some, you know, one sixties, they've killed some one seventies in those urban areas and things like that. Well, this, they ain't got no pressure on them. They're a big growing deer, but I tell you, man, hunting North Georgia it's humbled me in a big way. When I went to the Midwest for the first few times, it's just, it's like hearing an echo, what you guys are saying. It's hard. And I I've sat, I don't know, since opening weekend, or maybe five times, and other than the other day when I was with you, I ain't seen a deer. <laughs> so I mean, it's, right, it's sounds, hard to go like around
1: here on dozen. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But man, what John what Cole a, can kind of relate off of Louisiana a little bit too, because he's actually a president over a small. Uh, how many acres you got, John Cole?
4: Uh, right at a thousand.
1: Yeah, so that ain't too small. I mean, that's that's a pretty good chunk of land. <laughs> that's, no, a that's a big chunk, chunk of land. <laughs>
4: That is a so, big – Yeah, for South Louisiana, like they were saying, it's a lot of pressure. You don't see the movement in daylight. Not, not
3: anything like you see on TV. <laughs> you, <laughs> no, boy, uh-uh. you boys have a lot of clubs down there. You guys have to mainly public ground.
1: Uh, They got quite a few clubs. Yeah, small, small, small clubs. If y'all listen to the podcast we just dropped, I think he has probably one of the largest clubs. I did listen to that. i finished. it. I finished today. 30 miles. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Dwayne Mitchell, I think he has the largest club around here.
2: Right here, close to what we got. We used to have a lot a lot more clothes, but now, more or less, what we have now is small tracts of land that one family or two
3: families lease to hunt. Right. That's old Mr. Nine wasn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. Nine forty five.
5: Nine
3: forty
0: five. What'd he do cut his finger yeah. off? With a Raven crossbow. The of it. Oh yeah, you told yeah. me about that, Dustin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and got the he buck. The
3: his he said he yeah, was. And killed the deer. He said he was having me to hold me. his hand back behind the deer's blood trail because he was getting them mixed up.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, I didn't bum. tell him. I didn't. I didn't tell him, but I think
3: his fingernail was. His fingernail was like, Grim Reaper, bro. <laughs> that's what mine looks like. Looks like a Grim Reaper got <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, no, oh, that that was a really Indeed. good podcast, man. You guys had that was. That was really good and that guy talking about how they let those families in and do those kid hunts and stuff like that. That was that was Alex. pretty that was pretty cool because we've had several talks on here about past hunting clubs and, 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 and things that we've done that we, we've we've got away from just because of our age and you know, Alex has got kids and Cody's got kids, so it's right. hard for people to get out and, and I, I want to get back in a club to keep doing that, but you know, it's it's hard, you know, you work all the, all the time and you try oh, yeah. to you try to slip away and you know, we have to go for a club around here that's a decent you have to go down below atlanta for us so it's a couple hours drive so trying to take off on a friday and haul, haul butt down there is can be tough but yeah I, I mean i enjoyed that podcast because you know there's there's things that go on with those clubs and it's not just bad stuff it's not just drinking and getting tore down and people can oh, no. you know people can have that have and do that but it's also family oriented oriented and it's a it's a great time to get those kids and stuff out there and let them do more than just Hunt, they can go back to camp and learn to do stuff around there from you know build, build a fire to to cleaning deer hey, or whatever yeah
5: they they literally go all out on their uh
1: that's
3: what i'm saying they got what 11,000
1: yeah yeah 100, something 100, like 7,000
5: acres you
1: know only 90, 90 something members oh but within them 90 members they had a hundred i think it said 160 160 yeah 160 kids, and they do, man, they do giveaways. But he said only about 60 kids actually hunt. So, the, I mean, 100, 160 kids, you never know what age they are. So, you don't know if they can actually get out on their own and go hunting anyway, you know?
0: Now, where is the... But it
1: was an awesome episode.
0: Where is the Busbus, uh crowd at the in The is
1: in Isla, Louisiana, north of West Monroe.
0: For us geographically challenged okay. red from North Georgia so, like myself. So where Duck Commander <laughs> is. Where is that? Is that North Louisiana? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Excerpt kinda of like northwest Louisiana. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, so so who are you where Duck about?
0: Commander is. The uh, wild game innovations the Buzz guys, is their own wild game. They they got that great product, you know that mm-hmm. um, we like so much, Nick. That we, we don't,
3: <laughs> don't go down that rabbit hole. Let's go on. <laughs> no, we, we, we're not gonna get on
0: that. Yeah, but I, um, I was just curious geographically where that falls because they kill some
3: big old that bugs. That is about four hours northwest of us. Yeah. It, it, do you have you guys seen a, in, any kind of spike in uh and? Sorry, Dustin, but can, this can pertain to turkey hunting, too, but have you guys seen a spike in out <laughs> <laughs> of coming in there to uh, deer hunt or turkey hunt with the, all the public stuff going on? Turkey
4: hunting. I, yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely with the turkey hunting. Not so much deer. Especially in Kisati National Forest in North Louisiana, it, it's completely overrun with Arkansas turkey hunters. Mm. So. Um, we don't, we have a, we have a bunch of small tracts of public land down here in Southeast Louisiana. And, uh, you know, we don't get a whole lot of out of staters hunting down here, but, uh, up in the central part of Louisiana and North Louisiana, there's some bigger tracts of public land. They get
4: a lot of out of state hunters.
3: Gotcha. Do
1: well, you we get some down here every now and then? Cause you got to think we at the top of that boot on Louisiana, Mm-hmm. We're only 20 minutes south of that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So it's almost actually easier for us to hunt Mississippi yeah. than it is to hunt where we are right now. Okay. When does let the. Let me tell you. Go
3: ahead.
1: Let me tell you, Mississippi has some great game to hunt.
3: They mm-hmm. do. Yep. Well, I know the tur- they got a
4: little bit more rules than we have.
3: I know the turkey hunting is, is big over there. I know it's hard to kill them because there's a lot of people that do it. But I've I've, right. I've heard the deer numbers weren't not that good. Is that is that not true?
4: Oh yeah, no, yeah, is so
2: full of deer. It ought to be against the law how many deer there are in Mississippi. Really, he can
3: he can, he can vouch for that because I mean he's a taxidermist, so he can relate. What what's when do y'all seasons open for both? October first, October first for deer through when February. What you gonna do? I don't know. I don't buy my Louisiana
2: uh, late in, in our particular area right
4: here. January thirty first is the last day we get.
3: Out, right uh, after Okay. Okay. And y'all have a late rut, correct? Like a late December. Yeah. Yep. Well, that, that's that's kind of last
2: week of December into the first week of January.
3: Well, that's probably nice now that you guys hunt in the Midwest because you can kind of get two ruts if you really want to. We're kind of here where we hunt at. We're kind of bound by the time we get back from. Sometimes it might be in. We might catch a late stage, but a lot of times we miss our rut from being gone.
0: Ah, oh, if we go beginning of November, we don't. Well, don't. I mean,
3: not too much up here, but if we hunt anywhere below yeah, Atlanta, right. it uh, right. we we kind of miss that rut. Right. So
0: unless you Southwest Georgia, and then it's nearly January. I know down it's, it's there, so it's...
3: split up because if you go like Savannah, I mean, it's like right now, yeah, or early October,
0: yeah. So. Y'all do? Any, is there anybody that runs any dogs down there? As far as as, as oh yeah, deer dogging.
1: Not none of us. I mean, y'all... Uh, I've got a good, it,
4: it used to be big down here. Yeah. But it, really it used come.
1: to be real big, and, and all the guys... A lot of people moving up north. Right. Um, and John Clark, Clark he, he, everything. Yeah, he can yeah. tell you a little bit about it.
4: Yeah, John,
0: I'd like to hear about that down there, cause, and that will bring up an interesting point. We was talking about deer camps, but talk, have you ever done any of that down there?
4: Uh, I used to run dogs um, with family and friends whenever we were young. Yeah. And, um, it's just really... A bunch of subdivisions came up and lost um, lost a lot of large tracts of land and like Rudy was saying, lands a lot smaller. The tract that we have now is a smaller chunk for people to hunt. So kind of a fine art here near home. They got some places still doing it. Yeah, you know, down in the swamp, they still running pretty hard. Uh, that's you just I got to. <laughs> yeah, and like like our buddy yeah. uh, North, Chris North uh, Louisiana,
1: he actually has the largest dog hunting club in the state of Louisiana, and that's in uh, West Monroe. Uh, We go up there once a year just to cook. How crazy is that? We leave the Midwest, go up there for New Year's to cook, and just ride around in the trucks and just listen to the dogs run. Let me tell you something. The people think that it's a lot easier to kill a deer in front (laughs) of a dog. (laughs) Huh. You better be ready. I <laughs> guarantee. Uh, it sounds like World War Three when the guns start going off.
0: Now, can y'all see? And shoot? guess what? Was that? Is it shotgun or rifle in Louisiana? Both. So you can shoot either or both.
1: But yeah. well, they using them tracking collars, and they know the area real good. We sitting in the truck watching. They got these TV screens in oh, there. Oh yeah. some high tech rednecks. Right you know, They spend uh, more money on
0: doggone collars and stuff than we'd spend in groceries in <laughs> oh, a year. Yeah.
1: All right. And, uh, I mean, they do these field trials. They But getting back to the running dog things, uh, I had never done it before in my whole life until two years ago. And uh, I invited to go up there. Well, I come back home and I said, man, I had a good time, but I ain't killing nothing. I said, it's harder than what y'all boys think. I am sitting on top of a dog box looking for a deer. Well, he comes through there about 300 miles an hour. Let me tell you something. If he ain't within 20 yards, you ain't killing him. My
2: first deer I killed in front of dogs. Me too. Yeah. And he almost ran over me. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> like he, I mean came, he came out of the cutover about nine yards from me, going wide open. And I was shooting a 1112 gauge all right. And I let him hold all five of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you have to use a shotgun in the state of Georgia with buckshot. Um, that's the rules if you're running them with dogs. Uh, really? Yeah, and I got buddies. Is that
5: a rule down here, Reggie?
1: No.
2: No. Uh, uh, you've always been able to shoot whatever weapon was legal for deer hunting during dog season. I mean, during regular gun season, you could use whatever during dog season, too.
0: Be hell doing it with a muzzle (laughs) loader, wouldn't it? (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you brought RP over there with that (laughs) flintlock. Hey, don't give give RP any more ideas if he's flinging us. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, Uh my goodness. Well, that, and the reason I bring that up is because we've got friends, and
2: I've
0: went down last year and dog hunted with them, uh, down near Savannah, in Jessup, Georgia, which is Southwest Georgia. And first time I'd ever done it, me and my boy went down and spent, and I don't know that I've ever been in a better camp than I was there. I, and I've had some great camps up here with my family and stuff, which top them all. But as far as a camp away from home that I got invited into, man, them boys down there, they do it up. And I'm sure it's the same way, but them dogging clubs, they're competitive now. They they want to be in their dogs and want to be in the front, and they're throwing pack after pack on them. And you're right. When they cross that road, you better be ready and better be burning trigger because it's fixing to get down Better not
1: shoot a dog. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's pretty it's, neat. Uh, and then I know in Arkansas, it's a huge thing up north of y'all. That's that's they go from uh, Florida all the way to Arkansas and and run them, and they kill some absolute studs up there because they can shoot them with rifles and. Them boys get right. mad at them when they throw their dogs out. They've been running in them Florida Florida and Georgia swamps. They throw dogs out <laughs> up there in them mountain, son. They cut loose on them. Oh, yeah. Y'all,
3: yeah. Y'all do any coon hunting we over there? We have a lot of, what's that? Y'all do any coon hunting?
2: Man, I coon hunted with dogs for years when I was a lot younger, and, uh, I got so many bad habits already. If I started doing that again, <laughs> my wife would probably hit the road. But, uh, I used to go six nights a week, believe it or not. I used to competition coon hunt. I love it. Uh, I got squirrel dogs now, but when I had coon dogs, man, it was every night. You know, had uh, a... I've been married three times, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right in them coons, huh?
0: So if we you start here, so if we start hearing about Ricky Coon hunting again, we know he's all
2: headed for number four. He's <laughs>
1: <laughs> been able to hunt all year now. Yeah, I'm sorry for you, Eric. If
2: you I love it. I, I I do love coon hunting. I just I can't do it anymore. You can't I mean, do I, it here
0: because of the houses.
1: Yeah. Man, there's so many subdivisions around here now. Yeah. I mean, but up up here where we are, you can still do it. I yeah. mean, we all spread apart up
2: here. But it, it is tougher. I talked to a guy today that's got a actually got a Coon Hunting podcast. Uh at, shout out to Tyler Duncan. Uh he's got a podcast called Coon Hunting University. And it is a lot tougher on guys now because there's so much more population, more houses, subdivisions, stuff like that. So
1: Tell him to take a trip to the Midwest.
3: Yeah. I promise you he won't be dissatisfied. Hey did, yeah. <clears throat> did you you guys both hunt out of state together now? No, no, no. We, we did th- we did turkey hunt out of state together. He got lucky. Well, <laughs> yeah, but y'all don't Y'all don't one. go deer hunting out of state together? No, no, no. We we haven't
2: yet. We will in the future before we so
3: we will. all it. of us in here. So ha- have uh, you thanks to John Cole. <laughs> Ricky, have you been have you been hunting out of state for a while?
2: Yeah, I've uh I've hunted Mississippi my whole life, you know, off and on. Uh I actually I actually own some family land and I have a small lease in North Mississippi. I've been to the Midwest probably 12 or 13 times. Uh so I've mostly hunted Illinois when I've been to the Midwest. Uh I I'm actually going to Missouri this year for the first time. I want to hunt Kentucky. But as far as out-of-state, most of the hunting I've done has been
4: either Arkansas or Illinois and Mississippi.
3: Gotcha. How'd you get your start out there in the Midwest, Uh, Dustin? I got it from a –
1: we were at a softball tournament one night, and my cousin come up to me. uh, That was – that always brought a crowd with him to Missouri, right? So you pay by the hunt. Uh, So he asked me, did I bow hunt? And I said, no. He said, well, you ever shot a bow? Nope. This was, and brings it back to earlier to what I was saying. And 2011, well, picked up a bow, got to shooting it, got ready. Come November, go up there, nothing like I ever experienced in my life. So from that point on, I hunted with them for many years. And then I kind of branched out a little bit. I kind of missed a year. And then I end up, when I went back to the Midwest, I started off in Kentucky, Paducah, Kentucky. And, uh, had a good time there. Uh, didn't kill no great deer, you know. Uh, I did kill a deer because I had to bring home meat for the freezer. Uh, now it wasn't no spike, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, last day of the hunt, you know, I hadn't seen the deer that we had on camera. So, uh, didn't see no does. I could have killed a pretty decent eight point the first morning I was in the stand Had another buddy that did, never had killed a good deer. Uh so I, I kinda let him walk off and I, I kinda regretted it after that because he didn't shoot him either. So I was like, Well, I can tell you whatever else walks out legal I'm I'm killing, you know. So needless to say I, I killed a, I killed a deer that year. Nothing nothing to talk about, but I've always referred back to Missouri because that's where I was brought to first. Well, I got a buddy of mine that used to own a a, a, a company called Easy Access Hunt, and uh, what they did was they did all the legwork to go out and lease property per day. So, like, if I went to a property it was a small piece, it might be fifty dollars a day, right? Mm-hmm. If I went to a bigger piece that Nobody hunted before that had great quality deer on it. It might be 150 a day. Mm -hmm. Just depends on the property. So I got hooked up. I was actually on my way. I was almost where I needed to be. Oh, and I got a phone call right around St. Louis saying, I know where a piece of property is that they'll lease it per day. Well, I went over there and go on the property until like two o'clock that evening. And, uh, it was 130 acres you listed per day. I think I paid roughly $200, $200 per day and I did a five day hunt. Well, I'd much rather do that than going to public land, which it was almost just like public land to me because I had never been on it before, you know, had never scouted it. Well, I ended up scouting for the first, I don't know, two hours after I got the permission and all the insurance and paperwork done, uh, set up a stand. Literally within an hour, I shot a Ricky Mountain. What, 149? He was yeah. 149 inch ten point. Fine deer. Uh, didn't Fine find deer. him till three <laughs> days later. Fine deer. He was. Uh, didn't find him till three days later. Perfect shot. Never had a deer grunt when I when I actually sent the arrow through him. Uh, like a like a growl, you know. Uh, I thought I I ten ringed him, but apparently I missed something. And uh, we went back in there that evening, right before the LSU-Alabama
3: game. Uh, shout out to LSU, by the way.
1: <laughs> uh, but anyway, we ended up jumping him up. So y'all, y'all, better,
3: y'all better not be hanging out with <laughs> Brother Ed down there. We done here all day.
1: <laughs> <No>, of- <laughs> no. Ed Ozeron been hanging out with LaVon a little too yeah, much. He's been hanging out on the I sidelines can't. getting distracted. <laughs> I can't <laughs> yeah. hang out with
2: him. I can't understand him.
1: <laughs> go on, die, guys. Go Go ahead, <laughs> But anyway, I ended up shooting that deer and uh, jumping him up that evening. Uh, so we let him lay. Went in there the next morning, very early, because I couldn't sleep. Uh, like everybody else says, I, I experienced that for one time in my life. So going there the next morning, didn't find him either. Well, you know, once you start to go in kind of a panic mode, like I wounded this deer, I shot this the, the best deer I ever killed. Uh, but I can't find him and I jumped him up. I wonder where he could be at, right? So, three days later, uh, I end up shooting an eight point, uh, because we couldn't never find that deer. Well, after I shot that eight point, we, uh, we ended up getting him. And then on the way out, before I left to come back home, we went to go take the stand down. And um, when I went to go take the stand down out of the tree off the edge of the bean field, my land, well, my landowner now, but uh, he wasn't then, uh, he ended up finding the deer walking the, walking the edge of the creek that night. So I had two deer, called the game war and got everything under control. Everything was legit. So that had me hooked from get go because all the years I went prior to that, I never killed a good deer. You know, I always kill some just whatever walked out. But now i changed my tactics and stuff like that. Thank God for you, I can tell you that. Thank God for the hunting public, Midwest Whitetails, Jared Mills, and all them boys. Uh <clears throat> Because they take you into a whole different experience. Even though we're from the South and we think we're the best of the best, it's a whole different ball game when you get up there. And I think, because it's open country.
0: Yeah, and I think what you you just hit the nail on the head on something that I think a lot of people don't understand. We may not have the knowledge basis and the tactics to get them killed, but we have something called patience that a lot right. of people don't understand. And patience, growing up where we did, honey, it they ain't no they ain't no line longer than the line of patience that a guy that's hunted North Georgia his whole life or hunted South Louisiana his whole life is going to have. I'll put that against anybody.
1: I'm with
2: you on that.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I I don't know yeah, that it's, I, it's that will and determination to sit there from daylight till dark, if you need to, to get it done. And I think it's just one of those things. Do you don't like it? You don't like him my all day sits? <laughs> look, I've done it. I've done it in Louisiana, and
1: listen to me. I didn't even see a squirrel, and let me tell you, that's a rough day.
0: But it's different when you're I, in the Midwest.
1: It is, but the good, like I like I tell everybody that always asks me now, just because I see deer, don't mean I have to kill them. That's kind of a guy sitting in a thicket in a lock on or saddle or something. So when you come down for lunch, and you just say y'all hunting two two different pieces of property, right? If I got a guy hunting a saddle, lock-on, or anything like that, and he's sitting in a thicket, and then I got a guy that hunts a box stand in an open field of 500 acres, when y'all meet in the middle, just say y'all meet in the grocery store or just a fast food place real quick, and you say, where y'all hunting at, blah, blah. He say, I'm hunting a thicket, I've seen two deer. <clears throat> he said, man, you seen anything? He asked the guy out that hunts a box stand, how many deer you seen? He said, I've seen 50 or 60 deer. You know? It's a major difference. And hunting in a thicket is kind of like hunting in Louisiana. Hunting in a box stand for the Midwest guys is kind of like hunting open country. And I don't, like I say I don't have to kill every deer. I just want to be able to see and, you know, get the opportunity. Because I can make a move after I see them.
0: I'm getting in there nasty with them. I want to be in the thickest of the thick. I don't care if I don't care if I yeah. see fifty I have, deer man. as long as I see the deer. As long as I see that deer, mm-hmm. I'm after. That's the one I. And it ain't got to be no absolute giant. Oh, Mister One Thirty over here. will let the area I oh, wanted a no, heart with <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. Do
3: you still hunt that? I just I I just love seeing deer. You know. You still hunt that same place, Dustin?
1: Oh. No, so I've been through... Yeah, so where I killed the 10-point a couple... Of, uh, what is that? That's been about four years ago now, right, Ricky? Yeah. Uh, so where I hunt that property, a buddy of mine actually leases that property, and I lease the property directly next to it. So we are one combined property. And uh, we go up, we do everything together. We set cameras together. We run trail cameras together. We do everything together. This year we wasn't so fortunate because of the hurricane. Right. So I'm going in the blind. Hey, sometimes it could be like the very first time I've been there. I never ran camera before I killed that 10 point, right. but you know, cameras are ruins <laughs> I just, I just know that the, the property that me and him have, I know it's, it's two different properties, but it's all one kind of, uh, it holds those. And, if you're hunting during the rut, you want the place that holds those. That's why we are so successful on the property we have. And nothing against public land, you know, because we got many we got many acres down the road. You can ask both of these guys in here. We got many acres down the road that we can hunt public. And uh, I've actually dropped some pens for some guys,
3: and they killed some great deer. You know, mm-hmm. what what region but, is that in Missouri? That's in the
1: Northeast Central, Missouri. Northeast
0: Central. Hmm. Over around southeastern northern uh, section you, of uh, the I'll western you, part I'll of.
1: You, <laughs> I'll tell you about. <laughs> well, if I brought up the name of where it's actually at, you wouldn't know where it is. So I would say the Chaffunky River. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, oh my goodness! Terms, I will go with this, Macon, Missouri. I'll go with that. How about that? Hey. I, d- I
3: didn't region. want you to, I yeah, didn't, you didn't want you have, to, you you didn't, didn't have, you have to, go to go that part.
1: I was just had to give you a hard
0: time. It's over in the southeastern, um, northwestern corner of the <laughs> Chifunki River. It ties into Ichitaki Gap over there. Y'all find it if you
5: look <laughs> for it on the map. Hard.
1: <laughs> no, but, uh, we, we just leased out some property to some guys. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, they should have jumped on that because, uh, if the guy would have backed out, I would have leased it. Uh, but I was trying to give somebody an opportunity that never actually had an opportunity to hunt in the Midwest. Gotcha. Uh, shout out to North Missouri land company, which, uh, our great buddy Lou. Yeah. out. The guy, the guy is great when it comes up to property. You can ask Ricky.
2: Yeah. Luke's a good guy.
1: Yeah. Like honest, you know, honest pictures, honest videos. Uh, I mean, who who's going to set up a muddy box blind for somebody else to hunt? They ain't going to be too many. <laughs> right. You know? Oh, uh, but that's what that, when I put that property up, I mean, I could have, I could have leased the property, but I was, I was trying to give somebody that has never had the opportunity to go to the Midwest.
3: Gotcha. And
1: it's not about money. Oh, uh, it was just about experience, getting the experience. Because we can sit here and talk all day long on the podcast about what we do, but for you to experience it yourself is just unimaginable.
0: There ain't nothing like it. That's
3: for sure. <laughs> hey, um, nothing like it. Shifting, shifting off that a pen over there in Illinois. Come on, brother. Hey, shifting, <laughs> shifting off those deer for a minute. Let's hear all three of you. I ain't going I'm to going turkeys. I ain't going to turkeys. I don't want to know all three of <laughs> y'all's up. favorite recipe. From Louisiana Favorite recipe
0: We ain't gonna understand uh, it It's got some name of uh, <laughs> Some kind of crazy name well, I'm
3: sure Well I wanna re- right. I wanna go I'm into gonna, the recipe I wanna go into something else That I know what it is But a lot of our listeners don't Okay You talking about for deer or what It don't matter Anything Anything, Anything. Possum Raccoon Skunk's ass Whatever yeah, y'all we eat don't. <laughs> We don't <laughs> eat that son
1: <laughs> Alright cu- Give us one
3: What's your favorite You talking to JC or you talking to us? I'm talking to you. Uh, favorite recipe? Yeah, you got a favorite? You're asking me. I'm going to give you one here in a minute. No, I want you to
1: give us one. Yeah, you-, we, you, well, you can oh. ask us. We're going to do a show with you. You can ask us what our favorite <laughs> recipe is
0: yeah. then. We want to know what what's the best. If I'm coming to Louisiana, I'm coming to Dustin's house, or I'm going to JC's house, or I'm going to Ricky's, he's going to cook me the best Louisiana meal that represents him. I
3: right, can I have two? I yes, can absolutely. have toil if you want to. I'm on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
1: so I have, this is, I'll, to the side, red beans and rice and fried shrimp instead of fried fish because that normally goes together. Red beans and rice and fried shrimp, all right? Second, catfish cuvillan. He told me about this the
0: other day now. This is, you tell him tell tell Nick what that catfish Covey on or whatever you
1: said it was. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> what is Let that? Let me tell you, Nick. It's basically catfish uh fried. <clears throat> oh, you can bake it however you want it. Over rice. And it's just a special uh special sauce. Like a spicy sauce. Kind of yeah. like a uh A touffe mix. Okay.
3: Yeah. I, I get do you know I, what a fe is? I do, and I'm getting tickled because that guy, Timbo, that we know that's from Louisiana, when we go to when we go hunting with him, everything has rice. Every, everything every, everything you gotta have rice with every meal. You gotta have rice.
4: Yeah. So I do I don't to, have to say it? You
3: will. go
0: ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask how did you say that, Nick? Me? Yeah, how does he say that?
3: Catfish. Coulion.
0: Coulion? Is it et <laughs>
3: A toothache. A I always say it. Can touffee. you spell it?
0: Yeah. E T O U F E.
3: At I ate it with
0: my toothache.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's like
2: Uber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Uber. <laughs> Ricky, what's yours? What you uh, if you came to my house and eat, um, I would probably hit you with. Uh, it would probably be like a team effort between me and my wife, and Dustin can vouch for the shrimp and grits. Oh, no doubt. Okay. Uh, my wife makes the uh, shrimp and grits. She actually uses a recipe by a chef named John Fols. You can actually Google the recipe for the shrimp and grits.
1: Okay. Actually, I got the book inside.
2: While we're waiting <laughs> on that, I'd probably have to hit you with some backstrap. Marinated in Dale's uh, marinade and Italian dressing and then wrapped in bacon. And cream cheese, cream cheese, and jalapenos, <laughs> and sprinkles some Tony seasoning on it, and throw it on the grill. Put that that on a cracker, dude. Tony Sacheron or whatever. <laughs> put, put that on, on a cracker. Put that on a nah, cracker, dude. Ain't, it ain't gonna make it to a cracker. It's coming straight <laughs> off the grill, off the toothpick yeah. in your mouth. I'm sure y'all cook that, huh?
0: No, nah, we don't. We ain't never eat backstrap for all our lives. We don't
1: the dick. Hell, I wouldn't eat. What's too? yours, John Cole? What's yours? On the time of the John called quiet over here tonight. He kind of reminds me of Cody. <laughs> That's shrimp and grits. It, it's for real. Cody's quiet over grips.
3: here too. Yeah, he oh, here. he's there. <laughs>
1: no,
4: no. <laughs> oh,
3: <laughs> oh gosh. a on time of the
4: year, really, on crawfish can't be good. Bull, cra- yeah, I can't do crawfish.
0: I don't like crawfish either. Who said that? I did. I, did. I did. Me and Nick both. I don't care for them. Uh, too well, much work.
1: <laughs> No, grabs
2: are too much work for I a agree. piece of meat, son. Uh, I agree. Dude, y'all don't eat. Y'all really
3: don't eat crawfish. I'll eat no, them. I just eat them. I'll eat them. I just. I just don't feel like I don't. Uh, okay. My rewards. All right, we not can there. still be friends. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I ain't saying <laughs> I, I won't. Saying.
0: I don't know that I've ever had them probably fixed like y'all do. I mean, that would be good. I mean, I, I just probably have It
1: depends. I mean,
0: I don't like them so hard. I can't it depends
1: eat them. On who, no, that's that's. I mean, we cook them for the kids too, so you can't make them extremely hot, you
3: know. Well, we do a we uh, do we do a Georgia low country Bowl. We don't do a Louisiana low country boil. We do ours. We don't yeah. put crawfish in them. You don't put what?
0: Crawfish. We, we don't t- put crawfish in there. Well, you call it- them crawdads. Well, what are you
1: <laughs>
2: what are you balling them? Crayfish. Fish,
0: potatoes onions carrots uh <laughs> cabbage no, no we, we don't would do cabbage, cabbage either. either boy it'd be, good, that would though, be boy. good god i ain't even ever thought about uh, that that'd be good no, i they love put, they put cabbage, cabbage
1: in it down
0: here no we do corn potatoes uh might Salsages. do carrots hey, you do whole corn or canned
1: corn whole corn <laughs> canned <laughs> corn what just kind of, of, no no no. What? no 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 hold on hold, <laughs> hold on y'all laughing but there's a lot of people around here takes the canned corn, takes the wrapper off of it, pokes two holes in it, dumps the juice out of it, and then throws it into the to mm. the pot.
3: God dang Stanley and be eating that up over at really, Willie, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Stanley painted, busted good, eating canned whole no, corn. No, but you corn. do need to tell Willie about that cabbage. I love <laughs> it. I will, I will
0: tell him. I, that is good. I ain't never heard that. But at the
2: end, we basically,
4: killed the fire and y- put shrimp in Y'all do in there. a
3: crawfish
2: bowl without the crawfish. That's,
4: yeah, we they, put shrimp in there. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
3: going to have to show y'all boys. Hey, I, I want to I wanna
0: ask this. Wait a minute. Now I want to hear what uh, oh. JC's is. He ain't gave his recipe yet. It said J.C.? crawfish, but I guess that's it. What's your recipe, JC? Or what's,
1: I mean, your what, what you, what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite meal? Oh, I'm
4: plain as
1: it is. Oh,
4: date. He's nervous, good boy.
0: Good <laughs> He's nervous. Tell him to get up. Lord have mercy. Now, l- hey, let me ask it's you this. How do y'all cook? My house a good how y'all cook squirrels?
2: Oh, in the pot, son, and gravy. Okay, I cook, I've cooked it every way you can imagine. I've fried it. I've actually made squirrel jerky before.
0: Y'all power bowl them squirrel or uh, the cook stick. them in a the crock pot before you fry them?
2: No, no, no. I'll tell you something else that I do that's really good. I'll take and, and wrap them in aluminum foil with seasoning and stuff, and I'll bake them in the oven for a while, covered on the in that foil. And then I'll debone all that and put it in a stew.
0: Yeah, I bet that is good. What I'll do is it take is. we take and put them, you know, quarter them up when we because we got squirrel dogs too. We'll cut the front legs off, the back legs, and the back, and cut that rib meat off of them, throw it away. But we'll take and put them in the crock pot for three or four hours, and then take them out when they get tender and batter them and fry them. And if you told me I had one meal left to eat, that you can throw them squirrels away, <laughs> but that grease and that broth, yeah, yep. is my favorite thing in the world to eat. That squirrel gravy, it's gray. If you cook gray oh, squirrels, yeah. it's got a gray tint to it, do You know that? Hey,
1: what y'all boys know about them cathead biscuits?
0: Oh, we know about some biscuits over here, son. Come on,
1: now.
0: <laughs> I can make you a biscuit. I can make a Nick can make a good biscuit. Is it cat hair biscuits or is it just biscuits? Well, they ain't got cat hairs in them. If I if you ask them that, <laughs> they're pretty big. So. <laughs> I
1: knew you were gonna
3: say that. Hey, for our they don't
1: call them cat hair biscuits up there.
3: Yeah, they do in certain mm-hmm. places. Certain places, certain restaurants yeah. you go to, but they look like a uh, top of a beer it's can. Big, fluffy biscuits? Yeah, they're they not ain't no cat. Hair yeah, hair they don't. Some old uh, made gravy. It's it's hard to find a good old home cooking place around here anymore, man.
0: Put what on there? Tomato gravy?
3: Yeah, I don't even eat
1: tomatoes. Look, there's one thing about Dewalt—he don't eat fruit, vegetables, or anything green. Mm. <laughs> what? I can't. I can't say that. Yeah, me, I can't either. I'm a vegetarian love... so a vegetarian only eats vegetables, right? I'm a meatitarian <laughs> You're you tough. a
3: something all
0: right? That's
1: Hey for Dustin,
3: sure. <laughs> Dustin. I know i brought up this guy several times that we hunt with down in South Georgia, um, but I was down there sometime last year hunting with those guys, and he said, "When you guys when you guys get back from working, I'm gonna cook, I'm gonna cook something today on this coon ass microwave," and I was like, "Oh yeah, what in the heck does he keep saying coon ass microwave," and and I never, I just went with it because he always cooked, but explain to the listeners, do you know what a coon-ass microwave is? Mm-hmm. It doesn't explain to the li- uh, listeners what a coon-ass microwave is. Alright, so what a, I'm not exactly a
1: coon-ass, but <laughs> I have one. You're a half-ass. <laughs> <laughs> half-ass coon-ass. Yeah,
5: anyway, okay.
1: so what, what happens is you have a box. Alright, so uh, a four-by-six, right? Three-foot-tall on the sides. You build a... You can build any type of top for You know, you want a handle on each side, two handles. That way you can lift. Two people have to lift it on and off. So, a Kunas microwave normally cooks a, what, 70, 80-pound hold?
4: Yeah. Huh, Ricky? Yeah.
1: So... What you do is before before you put the lid on, you set a seventy eighty pound hog in there, or you could do a bunch of chicken, drunk chickens or whatever. Yeah. Normally, what people do around here, if they don't indent the top of the Kunas microwave, they take a kitchen sink, aluminum kitchen sink, and they stack it full of firewood. So a coonash microwave actually cooks from the top down instead of from the, instead of from the bottom up. So, while everything is cooking down like charcoal, you would fill that kitchen sink up full of charcoal and you would put some wood on it and on it, on both sides and that's where you would take your black cast iron pot and you would cook smothered down potatoes in one pot and maybe some corn or something in another pot or cabbage or whatever, whatever you prefer. I mean, many people do it many different ways. But the heat It's all on the top of the box, not from under the box. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah,
3: that's an interesting concept of how that works.
1: And Some people actually put them in the
4: ground.
3: I was just about to say that. Yeah. So I find it
1: hard myself, and it works. I find it hard myself to put a hog in the ground and (laughs) cook it. Yeah. You know? Uh Like they actually dig a hole and research it and put the hog in there. But listen to me. If you put it in a coon-ass microwave, it's not getting dirty. It, it's going to get cooked eventually because you got a thermostat on it. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there watching the temperature. So uh, I, my suggestion was not to put one in the ground. Gotcha. Especially if you don't know what the hell you're doing.
3: Yeah. And, but everything is cooked from the top down. That's interesting because, I mean, it, and it's good. Everything I've eaten from it so far that he's cooked has oh, yeah. been really good. Oh, yeah. Now, now, they
1: have another thing. They call it a Kudonias microwave tube, Is where they build a box. It's actually kind of like a rotisserie. Mm-hmm. So they build like a, uh, you know, the two sides and the back, right? Right. They put the firewood up against the two sides in the back. At the top, they have a rail that comes out about three foot, and they have literally a rotisserie on there. And they take a hog and they put it between two uh, fence panels, and they sandwich that hog together in between the fence panels. But then they hang the hog on the rotisserie, so as the fire's burning, it's steady spinning, so it's steady cooking at the exact temperature. You see what I'm saying? Right. You got the picture? Uh-huh. Am I making sense? Absolutely. So as the fire hits the back hits the back wall of that of that microwave, it's it's directing the heat directly to the hog that's sandwiched between the fence. Okay. And uh, that's another way to do it too. Gotcha. Besides the only difference is the difference between that and the ass microwaves is that you can actually see the hog on that one. In the coon ass microwave, you can't see it.
0: <laughs> right.
1: That's that's wild so to it, think. It's, it's just like cooking in a
0: Dutch oven. It
1: is. <clears throat> yeah. It is. Yeah, basically it is a Dutch oven. Yeah. Because yeah, same thing. Same scenario. You just come from the top down.
3: All right, boys, we're winding this thing down and I gotta get I gotta get a couple question, last minute questions in. Let's let's roll over to J C. Let's start with him.
1: J C. I'm be so
3: quiet, son. JC, come on, give Let us me turn his mic up. Give us that one piece of advice that JC would share with someone. One piece, best piece you got. Hunting, relationship, <laughs> whatever.
2: <laughs> Ricky, Ricky we're thinking. not
3: gonna ask you about the relationship, so you be thinking <laughs> something <laughs> else. Don't, don't,
2: don't <laughs> coon
4: hunt this night a week. <laughs> I would say it goes back to what um, Dewos kind of referenced in the beginning is family first. Got to put family first always. Good deal.
3: Uh, Let me ask him.
0: Yeah, go ahead and stay on him. Let me ask JC. Yeah,
3: JC. Well, he just kind of answered that too. Probably. What are you most thankful for? (laughs) Family. (laughs) Come on now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you're f- give us a, give us a little bit more of that. <laughs> give us a little bit more of that, JC. This is his first time being on podcast and live.
3: Well, we're not live, so he ain't got to feel that bad. Come on.
1: Well, I know he ain't live, <laughs> but come on, give us a little bit more.
4: <laughs> I guess go a little deeper into that with my with our family being um being raised, Ross from with my dad and my mom, dad, everybody just. Giving me the background that I've had. I mean, hunting's been a part of my life since. I can remember watching VHSs with a BB gun, shooting turkeys on the TV. Come yeah. am <laughs> with it. That's right. what I'm talking about. <laughs> it don't get much better than that. That's some of the finest memories I ever have, and I can't be more thankful. Well, that, that's... And yeah, um, you had to even introduce me and get me into hunting. Great man.
3: Very... Where it all goes back to, and... Memories that I'll never leave. Very well said. Very well said, Dustin. Let's go ahead and get you. <laughs> oh, what is yeah. that? What is that big piece of advice, Mr. Dustin, would share?
1: I just want to tell that any listener or listeners that's very new to the hunting industry or the uh, are coming up as a kid and hunting, listening listening to podcasts. Oh. Uh, Pay attention. You don't have to listen to one specific podcast. Uh, you don't have to take advice, advice from your, your, your great-grandparents like back in the day. You can listen to multiple people and get multiple scenarios of what really happens in life. Because one thing I've learned in my life is that, and I love my grandpa to death, but he only knew one town. And that's the town he grew up in. He didn't know how to read. He didn't know how to write. He didn't know how to do anything. So he can only teach me what he knew. But he had common sense. So for any young hunter that's wanting to learn anything about the outdoors, don't just listen to Between the Times. Don't just listen to talk about the outdoors. Listen to everybody. We're all one big community. And never begrade anybody for what they kill. be excited, show them love share share the camp you know oh uh, that's my number my my number one thing in life and you can ask both of these guys and many more. My number one thing is show everybody love that that actually kills a deer, turkey, whatever squirrel uh just enjoy the moment. Because it don't last forever. That's that's pretty much it for me. That's good advice.
3: Can't you can't beat that advice. Oh, that was fine advice. Because uh, we haven't we hadn't really heard that yet about getting people's different opinions. Mm-hmm. What are you most thankful for? I'm thankful for my wife.
1: Uh, I had three girls: one thirteen, one four, and one about to be two. Uh. I'm 35 years old, have a great job. My wife has an excellent job. Oh uh, I'm thankful for everything that she does behind the scenes for us. Like everybody says, we out here podcasting, cutting up a little bit here and there. Uh, and I'm thankful for my friends, too, that, that push us to be who we are doing podcasts because there are certain times and moments that I just want to say you know what, i want to quit. But there's always that one person that you look up to at the end of the day and says, look, you got to keep doing it. You got this amount of people listening to you, you know, just you don't have to be the, the best of the best because uh, not everybody's the best. You just got to be, you know, continuous and uh don't get relaxed. Just stay focused on the, on the, on the road ahead, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I think about it. That's right. And uh, I want to say thank, thanks to everybody that, that kind of listens to us, you know, because we we tend to cut up a lot, but at the end of the day, my family really means the most. My wife is the most prioritized person. And she keeps, she's like a strong back, you know, that I never mm-hmm. had.
3: Mm-hmm. Ricky. What kind of advice you got for the listeners?
2: <clears throat> uh, I guess my, my main piece of advice that I tell people is find something you believe and stand on it. You know, Because we live in a wishy-washy world where people just blow at the wind and whatever's cool or whatever they think is in at the moment, people get distracted by a lot of things. But if you find something you believe in, and you stand on it and you commit to it, you're going to be great at it. Good things are going to happen. Whether it's doing a podcast, deer hunting, fishing, riding a bike, you know, school, career, making money, whatever it is. If you find something that you really believe in and you just keep your head down and work hard and set your mind to it, anything is possible, you know, and, no setback is too much, no hold is too deep, and no obstacle is too much to overcome. If if your mind and your heart is committed to something, there's only one place you can go, and that's towards success.
3: That's right. What are you most thankful for?
2: <clears throat> uh, you know, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but... Other, other than my wife, which is exceptional, like exceptional. You know, she she does a lot to allow me to do the things that I do. She puts up with a lot of, lot of extracurriculars for me as far as hunting and fishing and podcasting and you name it. I mean, I got sixty three thousand hobbies and counting. But, um, you know, I'm thankful for the foundation that my parents laid in my life, just teaching me wrong from right. You know teaching me how to be a good person, how to respect people and, uh, you know, how to be a hard worker, just, you know, basic stuff that, you know, when you're growing up, you don't think about, all you think is, man, my parents are getting on my nerves. They making me do this or that or making me work hard. And, you know, my dad made a man out of me, you know, and he was extremely hard on me and my brother. We worked for him for 20 years, you know, but, you know, and, and not 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 in a boastful way, but I'm a man's man because of my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I'm I, I consider myself tough as nails because that's the way he raised me to be, and uh, you know that kind of that kind of ties right into my advice. You know, my, my family raised me to be an overcomer, and uh, it all ties in.
0: Love it. You can't ask for nothing no better than that. No, you can't. I'm talking about bragging the heat tonight than between the times boys are. I like it. They've, I like it.
3: They've been getting geared up, scripted up.
0: Oh my goodness. And and you know, I think that's the biggest I was prepped. <laughs> you was you weren't prepped by I'm me. Prepped. I didn't give you nothing. Don't you give me don't you <laughs> put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Um, first, you last. Huh? Oh, my goodness. Well, and, you know, like, <laughs> like we've said all along in the conversations you and I have had, Dustin, I think we've talked once, twice, three times a week, whether we text and calling or anything else or going oh, yeah. live on anything in the world. You know, we continually get to say good people find good people. And it wasn't a chance encounter that you shared a video and recognized some old. Tall, skinny, long-haired redneck with his old buddy walking around in the uh, in the middle of Alabama was <laughs> with that. There you the go. Yeah, Mister Inch and Three Quarter. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it was chance that we met each other. And I think the biggest thing that we've got out of this relationship is a friendship that's probably going to carry for uh, for a lot of years to come. If we're all so blessed enough to be able to get to do that, we are coming to Louisiana. Uh, the talk about it, boys, is gonna oh, yeah, come in know. hot, and we gonna have some fun in the very near future. And uh, you boys have got to come to Georgia and visit with us. And, and <laughs>
2: hey, it'll be crawfish season with <laughs> her Yeah,
0: well, hey, we, we, we might Georgia. we might be looking for something to do come uh, come February because it'll be it'll be time to, a little February break. Period. We
1: coming up there, boys. Yeah, yeah, I'll be, yeah. just be ready.
0: Well, I love it, and I can't wait to can't wait to see you, boys. But. Um, as we're winding this thing up here, I just want to thank everybody that's uh, that's tuned in. And if you want to find the Between the Time podcast guys, you can go over to Facebook, Instagram. You can find them on all the outlets that drop podcasts Spotify,
1: but Apple Music. Uh,
0: <laughs> and they're over on TikTok. Um, <laughs> Dustin's climbing to the top, uh, sharing RP stuff for him. He's let RP <laughs> drag you to the top of the leaderboard. <laughs>
1: hey. Uh, we made the man famous, so I uh, got to keep it going. Hey,
0: son, they 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 ain't no rider like a coattail rider. I will go on with hey. you. I'll jump right on there with hey, you. I had him on the other night. Hey, one, day, hey. one
1: thing about us, about us, we support everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. Alex, Alex, yeah. y'all y'all do need to get RP on for an episode. Oh yeah, he, I think with us he was kind of a little bit kind of like deer in the headlights because it was his first you know experience of that, but.
0: When the I went, dude
2: really has a, a, like a plethora of great stories and stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think that uh, that live the other night with him, he had asked me to to do it with him. He said, "I love." He said, "Them's my boys over in Louisiana." He said, "But I know them." He said, "I need somebody to talk to me that don't know me." And I said, "Well, I don't know yeah. you from Adam, so I'm I'll get you with it, son. <laughs> it ain't nothing to me." But I want to think. You can talk to a brick wall, huh, boy? Yeah, I talk to a stump if it'll sit there and listen long enough. <laughs> but I want to thank y'all for, you know, your continued friendship and uh and support of what we're doing over here in Georgia. It's it's not without um without thankfulness and appreciation for what you guys do. Y'all do an amazing job with y'all show. It is a pleasure to listen to. It's a pleasure to get to hear y'all stories and it's been a pleasure tonight to get to know more of the behind the scenes. We didn't get into everything that we wanted to, but uh, we're gonna have to do this again. Probably we own deer right now, but I promise you, come yeah, we uh, come springtime, damn turkeys. I hear you, I hear you. Hey, I, I y'all gonna to have on all on the turkey now. talk. Listen, I I endured turkey talk for six, seven months this year. Y'all got all the turkey talk y'all want coming up. Let, let us have we're, our moment. We can
1: do a good one in February.
0: That's right. Hey, we can do one. Y'all be here in person, so it ain't gonna matter.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
0: it sound a lot better. And I don't think I mean Dustin. We can't whoop him and Ricky. I I know I can't whoop Nick. So you you gonna be on your own, son. If they go, if they want to talk about turkeys, we'll just go out to let them. I'm
1: gonna pull out that spur knife on <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thanks again, guys, right. and uh, we sure appreciate y'all coming on. And um, go gonna, Braves. Yeah, go Braves. Braves is uh, <laughs> Braves is playing right now. Nick's checking scores. We tried to keep up with them. <laughs>
1: Go Tigers! <laughs> oh my goodness,
0: there we go. So, for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, I want to remind you that Georgia's in number one place for the year and uh, the Tigers is looking for a coach. So, uh, we uh, we sure appreciate them though, either way, either way. We have yours. We need Nick Saban back. <laughs> might, 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 might not better ask too hard. He'll be coming in running. So <laughs> for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode. We uh, we can't thank the guys from t- uh, Between the Tines for coming on and being with us. If you like what we do, and shoot us a message on any of our social media. We've got some amazing new stuff that's coming out. we got some really neat things that are coming up in the near future, so stay tuned there if you're not already. And uh, as I always say, remember, smile as you go, and don't forget, mount the memories.